0: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL.
1: I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren dookie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. And away we go. Burning the midnight oil on this Wednesday late night, the 24th of March. The year is 2021 this is scoop podcast episode 341 this will be interviews only interviews only i'll be on with mackie and judd on thursday morning on their score north get together available in multiple locations so the latest on the vikings the wolves whatever with Mackie and Judd on Thursday morning, but here, late night Wednesday, interviews only. Let me start with the NBA trade deadline, Thursday, two o'clock central. I caught up earlier today with ESPN's Brian Windhorst. Windy, always appreciate your time. Seemingly, for whatever reason, it seems like a lot of fans, not all, but a lot of fans, they obsess, they, they care more about the trade deadline Then they do what's actually taking place on the court. So we'll give the fans what what they want. Let me put the over-under at four and a half trades. So we're sitting here at 10 a.m. Central on Wednesday morning. I'll post this as soon as I can. I put the over-under at four and a half trades by tomorrow's, what, two o'clock Central deadline. Would you take the over or the under?
2: No, i I take the way over on that. I mean, there'll be be volume. Um, I don't know if it'll – really be exciting but they'll definitely be volume um there's enough teams that are motivated to do some things that they'll be volume but um you know this particular trade deadline you know there's been so much there was so much action last fall um uh with free agency the draft and then trades all in that window that um i don't i this may be a little bit of a lag over where um uh, we may not see that much happen.
1: So what teams are you looking at? So when you say way over four and a half, like, are you thinking seven, eight, nine, ten 10 trades? What teams should we be looking at?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a bunch of teams that do maybe small things that are going to count in number of trades that, you know, you may even forget within an hour of them happening. But um, uh, the, the Toronto Raptors control the trade deadline. It, it It seems to be that they have decided that they're going to move on from Norm Powell and Kyle Lowry. I can't say for sure, 100% for sure I'm not inside their office at this exact moment. But um uh and 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 they're going to control it. They have two of the most attractive players in Lowry and Norm Powell. and I would assume that most of the big moves will wait until those are settled. Um in, you know, until it, in, you know, until it, uh, until it gets set up that way. And, and then probably secondarily um the magic because they have Evan Fournier and Aaron Gordon and not necessarily that those are impact players, but a lot of people um, are interested in, in, in doing that and um, doing that type of move. Uh, so I think, you know, those two teams will be first actors and then you'll see a lot of stuff falling behind.
1: Two of those names you just mentioned, Powell, and Gordon, I believe, are on are on Minnesota's radar. What are you hearing in terms of the Timberwolves?
2: Yeah, the Wolves have uh, been looking for a power forward. Um, from what I understand, they made an offer for John Collins. Um, didn't happen. Didn't go through. Um, I don't think they're. I don't think the uh, Hawks are going to trade him. And uh, they've been one of the teams that have been in touch with, and I assume made an offer. I don't know whether they did, but I've been in touch with the magic I've been told regarding Aaron Gordon. Um, It's hard to get a good feel on the Aaron Gordon market, because to be honest with you, Darren, Mm -hmm. there's been a lot of subterfuge out there about Aaron Gordon. And the magic are not typically an organization where you get a lot of leaks, um, they're pretty tight. So I'm, I'm not sure what to believe. Um, like, I'm not going to say this team because I don't want to get aggregated, but I heard about a I t- <laughs> I heard about a team making an offer that I thought was a little bit eyebrow raising. And so I checked in on it and that team told me that they hadn't discussed, they hadn't had a conversation with Orlando in like two or three weeks. So I'm a little bit cautious of what I actually think will happen with Aaron Gordon, but uh, you know, to be all to be honest with you, he kind of kneecapped the 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 magic a little bit when he made his trade demand, um, and then the trade demand got public, and he gave an Mm -hmm. interview last night and you know basically affirmed his trade demand. So they're a little bit hamstrung on that, uh, and went long and long and hard about frustration about losing. Which I don't blame them. They have been losing a lot. So, um, I don't think they're necessarily negotiating from a position of strength on that one. so i I, I really will be fascinated to see what he gets what he goes for uh, because he's been rumored to be available in trade for like two or two and a half seasons now,
1: yeah. I mean, I think Minnesota's interest goes back at least thirteen months. Maybe it goes back even more than that, but right. it goes back to the to the February twenty twenty trade deadline, which seems like forever ago with everything that's happened in our world since then. but like does Orlando have to trade him when I, mean, I get the demand is out there windy, but like, could they hold on to him? Or like is, is now the time to maximize his value while he's still under contract? I guess if he gets traded now, the team acquiring him, if it's Boston, Denver, you name the team, Portland, that they would then have him for what two playoff runs with, with the length of his contract.
2: Well, if I wasn't a skeptical guy, cause I, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I had heard about the trade demand about a month ago too. And I don't, I don't want to be that guy who's like, well, I knew about that, but you know, it had gotten, it had gotten out there. It Mm -hmm. wasn't like it was a secret. And then we got to the trade deadline week and he hadn't been traded. And all of a sudden that trade demand got public. I, um, I might've suspected that that was a maneuver uh, (laughs) to try to help speed things along. And so um, I think Aaron is really trying to get his way out of there. So the question becomes what happens if he doesn't get his wish? How aggressive does this get? Um, he does have one, one year left on his contract. It's at 16 and a half million, which is a very good number for a player of his caliber.
1: I agree. Yeah, That's,
2: that's the good news. The bad news is, is that extensions, if you're going to extend a guy's contract, it's a raise off of that number. And so it doesn't really benefit him to sign an extension. So, you're, if you trade for him, you're going to be trading him for him with a little bit of a, <clears throat> a little bit of a gamble that he may not stay with you because he's not going to extend. Even if he goes to the place he dreams of, he's not going to extend probably. And so, the advantage to Orlando in trading him now, if there's no extension guarantee available. Trade him now. You have a season and a third with them. You know potentially two playoffs with him, which makes his value a little bit more. It's a long-winded answer of saying his value might be better today, no matter what it is, than it may be in the summer for Orlando.
1: Makes complete sense. So I'm with you. I mean, it doesn't make sense to me for Atlanta to trade Collins. They've played well under Nate McMillan's leadership. They're a playoff team in the East. But do you have a sense of of what Minnesota was willing to offer? what, what Atlanta turned down?
2: I do, but I just don't want to say it because then I end up um aggregated, and I end up you know causing all kinds of problems. Um, I'll just say it was a player in a pick obviously, you can't you have to trade something besides a pick for him, but uh, the complicated thing with with John Collins is he makes four million dollars, and if you're Atlanta, you want a you know well, yes, you'd like to have a draft pick for him you're you're trying to get, you know, they've got their eyes on a top four seat and he's one of their best players. So if you're going to trade him, you're going to want a really good player back. And so most really good players do not make 4 million. They make a lot more than that. And so to construct a trade, you have to put in more salary than that. And now you've got to send two players out and um, you know, we can go way down the rabbit hole here, but Tony Snell is on the last year of his contract and he's making like 12 or 13 million so you'd probably have to send tony snell and john collins but tony snell's been playing for nate mcmillan and mm-hmm. so atlanta was like i you know I, I, we don't know if we want to trade tony snell and and then you know one of the guys who they have who they i think are willing to talk about is cam reddish and then cam reddish has a moderate to serious injury right now and his short-term status is unclear and so what's his trade value um if he's injured and so it got complicated. I just don't want to say, I would just say that the offer that I heard Minnesota made was fairly aggressive. And I think uh, commiserate for his, uh, for his skill. Um, it just, I think, I don't think Atlanta's motivated to make a trade now.
1: Yeah. I mean, their GM is, I mean, you can speak to this way better than I can, but I think he's under all sorts of pressure. So like if you're Minnesota, so You know, there's there's a chance that their first round pick, as you know, this year ends up in Golden State's hands. Right. It looks like, uh, you know, 60 percent chance it's going to end up in Golden State's hands. And then, you know, depending on whether that pick conveys or not, like it looks like the first, you know, first round pick the Wolves can, can move, Wendy, is is their 2023 pick. So I guess what I'm getting at is if you're Atlanta's GM, like what what sort of value does Minnesota's 2023 first round pick really hold?
2: Yeah, I think you could trade it two, you could trade two ways. You could either say first available pick, which if it conveys this year, would be 23. If it doesn't convey till next year would be 24. Or you could just straight out trade 24 and say, here's 24. And that Mm -hmm. way you would, you would have certainty on that. Um, uh, Yeah. I mean, that's a factor. I mean, you know, he's is you you have a, you have a good point he what is a 2024 draft pick mean to him if he's if his job is under some level of threat if they don't make the playoffs so that's that's a factor but i i really just do think that part of it is is it's you know it's it's unusual for players who are good on their rookie contracts to get traded because this is when the players are their most cost efficient when they're on their rookie contracts and so there's not much of a basis of a history for it we just very very rarely see it like the biggest bargain in the NBA right now is Luka Doncic. Mm-hmm. He's, make, he's on his rookie contract, you know, playing like an MVP candidate. Uh, he'll still be a good value when he's making $35 million in two years. <laughs> yeah. He'll still be worth that $35 million or whatever the number is.
1: Uh-huh. Uh, it
2: won't be as valuable as when he's making whatever he is now, like 10 or 11
1: How good is John Collins?
2: Well, he's uh, a terrific athlete, uh, an elite jumper, a uh, spectacular pick and roll player. He is proven at this point in his career to be a negative defender. Um, he gets eaten up on defense and teams target him on defense. Um, so um, he, you know, they offered him a pretty substantial contract uh, last, I guess it was December when the extension um, things were going down. Um, And he turned it down, I think, because he believes he can get the max or something near the max in free agency this summer. And so if you trade for him, you have to not only think about, well, we're it's the assets that we're going to trade to get him. But you have to think that he very realistically could want a contract that's in the neighborhood of $30 million, 25 to $30 million a year. And so that's it's just a complicated trade. It's not something we normally see. Um, but uh you know uh with with where the with where the wolves are they are motivated to improve because they don't control their pick and um and you know they want a a, a guy you know next to carl who can who can compliment him and they apparently feel like that's the type of guy who can so and they feel like aaron gordon is that type of guy too
1: is there a name out there so i mean we brought up gordon and and Collins, and, and we brought up Powell to some extent. Is there a name out there that you're aware of that that Minnesota has checked in on that that really isn't out there all that much? like have have they checked into your knowledge uh, on Lori Marken? or who knows? I mean maybe there's some other name. I, I heard Dwight Powell the other day. I don't think Dallas and Minnesota are connecting anytime soon on a trade. But I was told that that Gerston is doing enough fishing that he's asked about a lot of guys.
2: Well, marketing is going to be interesting because if you're Minnesota, you're not, you know, if you really wanted marketing, if you liked him a lot, you would, you can't sign him because they're not going to have cap space. So the way you would get them would be to trade for him now. Uh, I, let me just say, I haven't heard that. Um, former Timberwolf, Laurie Marketing, right? Didn't he, did he, he had, he put on the Wolves cap that night, didn't he?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, that, that's something the NBA needs to change. Yeah. I mean, he I know, had the Wolves cap saying, for about four seconds and then him right. and Justin Patton. Ended up switching hats, right? Right, yeah. yeah.
2: So anyway, um, I have not heard that. That's an interesting name. but um,
1: I've not heard that either. I'm just wondering if there's a name out there that you're aware well, of. Well,
2: Dwight Powell is, you know, the thing about Dwight Powell is um, he has money on his contract the next, uh, I think he's fully guaranteed next year and maybe partial guaranteed the year after that. And so I have heard Dallas has some interest in moving him to try to clear Additional salary cap space, so I think they would be potentially interested in um, in expiring contracts for him, but um, maybe not. Maybe you get something else for him. You know, I mean, I think I'll just tell you what league executives are saying about the the wolves. I don't know a hundred percent if this is how they are thinking, but league executives wonder. It looks like Anthony Edwards' best position is two. Um. And they wonder whether or not you know that he and Beasley play together mm-hmm. uh, going forward. So there's some there's some uh, interest in the in the market about what happens with Beasley um, now that Edwards really has you know he's when Beasley got you know got sidelined, um, Edwards started had some of his best games playing the two, the sole soul two. So that's something that's something that um, I'm sure is you know Minnesota is evaluating.
1: How does the league view Malik Beasley, who right now is serving a suspension? It's about yeah. to end. You know, he's had a couple off-the-court hiccups. On the court, he's been, when he was on the court this year, was about their best player. You know, in the contract, three years, $42 million, There's a team option on the fourth year. I mean, that's not a ridiculous contract.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think um, when the contract got signed, you know, he was restricted free agent. And the contract got signed, and I think there was some vibe out there, like, "Well, who was giving Malik Beasley that money that Minnesota had to had to pay him that?" And now I think people believe, you know, his output versus his cost and the structure of the deal is actually not too bad at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right; there are some um, some flags on his file, if you will. Um, uh, and I didn't; it's, it's not; it's not; it's a, it's not a contract that you would just take without thinking about it, but. I do think he has—he would have value in the market.
1: Do you think, now Gerson's not doing this, and he's hurt right now, he's coming off knee surgery, but what does the league think of D'Angelo Russell?
2: Um, I don't think everybody in the league was sold on him being a max player. Having said that, at least two teams offered him a max contract, so he's a max player. Um, he's basically barely played with his core teammates in, in with the wolves. So um I would say that if the wolves wanted to trade him, there would be people who would feel like they would have to baby incentivize to take on that money. Um So I do not think this is the time you would ever want to do that. I think you'd want him to come back um, and go along with their plan, which was to be, a running mate with Carl Towns play together and then hopefully fit well with Anthony Edwards, which is, you know, I thought one of the more interesting things that's happened in the last few weeks in the league was Carl's um, declaration after the game. Uh, was it last week or so? Um, I watched the clip and you know, you're going to have to help me here. Cause I can't, mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly, but I don't think he was asked a direct question about Anthony Edwards draft position. <laughs> Um, he just made a statement about how Anthony Edwards was the right pick for our franchise at the time. And he like totally defended him.
1: And Yeah. Which um, you know, what is, is a defendable point. I mean, you know, I mean, Gerson's going to be scrutinized for years for passing on, on LaMelo ball, but based on D'Angelo Russell being on the ball so much, it might've been a goofy fit. I mean, I understand where Gerson was coming from, you know, so. You know, and Cat and, and D'Angelo, from what I understand, are are still very close. You know, so I think that was Carl defending his guy D'Angelo, thinking, hey, you know, D and I have only played together for five games total, only four this year. We can make this work. That from a positional standpoint, ant made more sense. Anthony Edwards just made a lot more sense.
2: Right. And so once you've made that big decision, I think you've gotta you've gotta invest. you've gotta continue your investment. So that's what I would expect them to do and eventually get those guys on the floor together
1: on Anthony Edwards and LaMelo ball. Like did LaMelo play enough? I guess here's what I'm getting at, right? Did, did LaMelo play enough to, to earn rookie of the year votes or, or can Anthony Edwards play well the rest of the way here and, and win that award?
2: You get different answers on that with different people. Um, I, ver- I voted for Joel Embiid as rookie of the year, the year he played 31 games. Um because I felt that he was uh even in those thirty one games I felt that he answered the bell, so in my view, he absolutely has LaMelo has played enough to get um to get uh, uh first place votes, but I could be in the minority on that um It'd be weird to watch LaMelo play like this and know that he's probably going to be a pretty impactful player going forward and to vote against him on what's essentially a technicality. It wasn't like he didn't play. It wasn't like he played a week, had a hot, like four hot shooting games and you're evaluating it on that. I mean, I think he played a representative uh, season.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it's 72, not 82 games. I mean, he almost played about a half a season. That to me. Yeah. I mean, put it this way. I, I don't have a vote, but Lamelo would would get my vote based on, on what he's accomplished. Doesn't take anything away from Anthony Edwards or Tyrese Halliburton or any number of rookies. I mean, this rookie class has been pretty darn good. And when you consider, you know, short preseason, no summer league, it makes it even, you know, that much more impressive. And Anthony Edwards doesn't even turn 20 until August. He still has a ways to go, but if he finishes second place in rookie of the year voting, like really, I mean, big picture, like who the heck cares?
2: I mean, in all honesty, if you were ranking, I mean, I know that this is a bit offensive for some people, um, To to term players as assets and I agree if there's another word i'm open to start using it if you have one you'd like to do, Mm -hmm. but one of the things that. um, teams do I mean this is just business is they evaluate every teams, you know list of value amongst their players Um, and right now I think most teams would say that the number one most valued player on the wolves is Anthony Edwards. And that's not a, a knock at Carl Towns. That's a, that's a, as you mentioned, a guy who's 20, who's on his rookie contract and under control for the foreseeable future with enormous upside. So the, the Wolves' number one asset is Anthony Edwards. And if you actually ranked it league wide, um, if you like ranked one through 470 players or whatever it is, Anthony Edwards would rank pretty high. Uh, again, partially because of his age and his contract, it's not like saying, oh, he's on par with, you know, Steph Curry. I'm just saying that, um, uh, w- when, when teams look at the value of players, Anthony Edwards is very, very high. And so to me, um, that means that the wolves did a pretty good job with that pick. The question is, and it will be forever. Is it, could they have done better? That's, you know, that's part of the world that the GMs live in every day.
1: On Cat, I mean, he'd have value if it ever got to the point of him asking out. Like, I would imagine many, many teams would make an offer. Dallas, Phoenix, you know, maybe Leon in New York. We could go up and down the list of, of potential suitors. But, like, is the league paying attention? How close is the league paying attention to Cat's to situation here?
2: Closely. I know you want me to elaborate, but.
1: Yeah. Closely, yeah. I mean, there's there's multiple years left on the deal, but like, how would they not, right, Wendy? Where where I mean, this franchise just keeps losing game after game, you know. Like, how would you not like if you know you name the 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 front office if you're Dallas, for example, how would you not be monitoring the situation here?
2: Well, I think one thing it does it looks like Carl is is really excited about playing with Anthony Edwards, and so um, you know I assume he's still excited about playing more with russell and he looks pretty invested in uh in anthony's uh situation so um i don't think carl is on the worry list right now but that doesn't mean that other teams aren't don't have him on their individual worry list um you know but you know part of the reason why i think carl is backing anthony edwards just in addition to trying to support a teammate is that you know it was Carl and D'Angelo's and whose presence, you know, drove them into drafting him, mm-hmm. you know, and not Wiseman and not Ball. So, um, Anthony Edwards' success and the Wolves' success with him with that trio, um, is related to you know Carl's success. So, I think that's part of it, but um, I've been you know watching Carl. Support Anthony and be excited about him. I think is a good sign for his investment and in what's going on. But, um, you no, know, he is a player that is valued in the league. There's no doubt about that.
1: I'll hit you with three more talking points. How robust will the buyout market be, and will the buyout market include Ed Davis of the Wolves?
2: I haven't heard that name at all. But um, there's going to be there's going to be guys bought out. The other thing is you could never tell until all the trades are done. So, for example. Miami is one of the teams that um, is interested in Kyle Lowry. There's no secret about that. Well, to execute a Kyle Lowry trade, because Lowry makes so much money, it's going to take three or four players potentially Uh, three or four for one trade, which means by the way, it's probably going to be a three team trade because the Raptors are going to have to offload all those extra bodies um, or they're going to have to cut players. But my guess is they prefer to offload them to another place. Um, but let's just say, for the sake of, of illustrating why the buyout market is hard to read, let's say Miami does a three-for-one trade. Um, now, all of a sudden, Miami's got two roster spots. Well, last time I checked, NBA players like to play in Miami. Okay? <laughs> and so there could be players who are on the fence about asking for a buyout who see an opportunity all of a sudden in Miami with roster spots. Mm-hmm. And they're like, all right, here we go. Let's go. Um you know, so it's 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 hard totally. It's hard to read the whole buyout market until you also there may be guys who get traded, um, who all of a sudden are in position where they want to get bought out, and a guy that you wouldn't think would be available in the buyout market all of a sudden doesn't want to be in where he's traded to. So we're gonna have to wait probably until Friday until all the dust settles on that. But you know, uh, if Drummond gets bought out and Aldridge gets bought out, those are two you know interesting names. I think you. Keep an eye on J.J. Reddick in New Orleans, especially if New Orleans trades away Lonzo Ball for future picks um, or a future asset or young player. That doesn't indicate that they're exactly going the direction that J.J. Reddick is uh, interested in. So um, that could lead him to seek a buyout. And and uh, you may have another couple that uh, that get interesting. So uh, I have not heard any Timberwolves, though, at all.
1: Looking for reasons to cling to, to hope here in Minnesota. I think Chris Finch can coach. I, mean, I don't know how closely you've you've studied the Wolves and 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 the numbers since Finch took over, but like the offensive rating is pretty good. I'm trying to put aside Monday's woeful performance. They they got destroyed at home against Oklahoma City, and and the Thunder were down a bunch of guys. But for the most part, since Finch has taken over, the Wolves have played pretty well.
2: Chris Finch has been one of the top. Uh, when you talk to executives for the last six seven years he's been one of the, one of these guys where he's on every single list of uh, the, the next good head coaching candidate. He never got an opportunity. And I don't know if you've heard me say this. I don't know if I've said this to you, but I, I think the job that he took was the worst and worst is a difficult word to use. The most challenging head coaching job that I've seen in my 18 years covering the NBA. And I, and I, when Whoa. I said that, when, when I, when I said that it was, uh, it was, um, before Beasley got suspended for twelve games, so when you think about a guy getting traded, or I mean switching teams, first off, the idea of switching teams mid-season is almost unheard of. It's happened a couple of times in the recent last twenty-five years, so that's that's difficult. Yep, and uh, it happens on a team where the team is for sale. Okay, well maybe now the team is not for sale. It's not one hundred percent clear, but you know there's some uncertainty. About just the direction of the team, you know, the team itself is in some level of, of, of instability, uh, then you go and it's a team that's uh, got one of the worst records in the league. So already we, we are, you know, you're in a mess situation. It's a pandemic. So everything is off anyway. And because of the pandemic, and because of just the nature of the games, you're going to get no practice time, no practice time. Um, and when he got when he uh was Carl playing even playing when he when he got hired? You know, Carl trying to
1: remember. Playing. When did Carl come back? His first game was in Milwaukee, right? Then they played in Chicago. Oh, you're really trying to jar my memory here, Wendy. I think Cat was back. Anyway, like, I think he was.
2: The, the the players that you need to perform are injured, <laughs> some of them, and then suspended. And then you know again, no practice time. I mean, how can he possibly impact how can he effectively implement a a, a strategy system and culture when you have no practice time? Well, you
1: really can't. That's where the rest of this year is a wash, you know, but they're okay losing. Right. I mean, just to give themselves, even though it looks like the pick will convey to golden state, you may as well give yourself the 40% chance (laughs) to keep the pick. So losses aren't the worst thing in Uh, the world.
2: I didn't even, yeah, I, well, right. But I didn't even get done with the list. So, you know, don't control your draft pick. All right. So there's, so you don't even get the guaranteed benefit of, of being on a bad team. Now, you know, if they get a top four pick, all of a sudden things change, but you know, it's not a slam dunk uh, or a top three pick. Uh, And then the team is capped out. So it's not like you can say, well, then we have free agent maneuverability. So like you go down the checklist, there's a lot of red X's on the checklist. Uh, But uh, it's a head coaching job. And, you know, uh, Finch has waited so long to get it that, you know, he had to take it. He just had to take it, but my gosh, is it challenging? And um, like you talk about the hand that Steven Silas was dealt. I mean, the the job that Steven Silas inherited in, um, in Houston has uh, turned out to be one of the roughest I've ever seen. And I think the hand presented to Finch, was even more difficult, at least in the short term. And I'll just throw in there: he went from being based in Tampa to being based in Minneapolis in the middle of the winter. Just as one extra little toss in, not that being the head coach matters. You're inside anyway, working. But I'll just throw that in there as well, uh, just for one little cherry on top.
1: All right, last talking point: you brought up the the possibility of of the sale. You know where it's at. It is interesting. So so I tried to track down Glenn Wendy, when when he approved the firing of Ryan Saunders. Silence. Then Kevin Garnett on Instagram puts out a post a couple weeks ago suggesting that he, his group, they've been eliminated from the sale process. So I captured a screen grab of that. I texted it to Glenn. No joke, Wendy. My phone rings five minutes later. It's Glenn. Glenn wants to go on the record, wants to make it very clear. He has never talked to KG. He's never talked to anybody that said they were associated with KG. He wanted to make it very clear. That, that, you know, KG and, and his people aren't involved in this process. But then we were talking for a few minutes. I got him going a little bit. And he said there's more than 10 groups that, that have reached out. He said in particular there's like three or four still doing all sorts of due diligence. And he alluded to, to the idea that, that at some point here in the, month, in the coming months that, that there could be some potential news. Now, we've seen this roller coaster here plenty, Wendy. You know, going back to Steve Kaplan in 2015, there's there's been a number of times going back to August when when Strauss was here in town. Like, so there's been times where I thought, you know what, like this thing is going to happen. You know, but this was another instance where Glenn said, hey, you know, there might be some official news here. And in, in the coming months, so I guess, just from your standpoint, where where do things stand on that front?
2: I I raised the white flag on uh, on that story. I'm tired of it. i've I've chased it on and off for months it's been extremely extremely frustrating it's all yours i will read about it when you write about it and talk about on tv um in my view and you know maybe glenn would argue with this and maybe wolves fans would argue with this it feels to me like glenn has been giving the same interview for 10 years the, yes. you know, the team. I don't
1: disagree. Yeah, I really do
2: You know, and I, but by the way, and I say that I appreciate him willing to talk to the media, because I do think it's a value added. Like, I'm not saying that, that an owner should be giving an interview after every game. But I think it's value added, especially in the in the role that was no matter what, no matter what anybody says about Glenn Taylor as owner. And we could sit here for an hour and talk about this. He has saved basketball in Minnesota, not just in 1994 when he bought the team, mm-hmm. but continually and to this day, he is still in the process of saving basketball because he could get a lot more money and the and the Wolves, as we've talked about, do not have a, a lease that's hard to break. They could be gone by next month if, if Glenn didn't prioritize it. Yes. And mm-hmm. so I think anything that you say about him has to be looked at through that lens first. Um but when you group him after but after you get past that and then you start to, to to group him with his 29 other brethren owners his his marks do not rate very highly and, and what I mean when I say the same interview is boy I thought this was gonna I thought this was the team that was gonna work. I thought this team was gonna make the playoffs. I expect this team to make the playoffs. I mean, how many times has he said a version of that? They've missed the playoffs, what, 15 out of 16 years? Or is this 16 out of 17?
1: I can't even keep track. It's you know, They made the playoffs, um, what, 03, 04? They made the playoffs with the Jimmy Butler team a couple of years ago. That's it. So whatever that math is, 16 to 17, 17 to 18. Okay. It's something like that.
2: And how many times in there has he said, I thought this was, I mean, literally dozens. And oh, how, yeah. many t- how many times has the team been for sale? Three, yeah. four?
1: Many, I'm telling you, you know. in 2015, I thought Steve Kaplan and uh, and his people uh, were going to complete a, a transaction six years ago.
2: Yes. So, like to me, it's like just uh, let me know when <laughs> let me know when something changes because it's it's all it's all it just you know to to quote uh, Nipsey Hussle, the marathon continues. <laughs>
1: I love it. I'll let this marathon conversation end, though, Wendy. Always appreciate your time, and I'll certainly stay in touch. Thank you. Take it easy. Gerson Rosas is trying, I can bet, as I'm sitting here at 1045 on Wednesday night, I can bet you that Gerson is very active on his phone, trying to concoct three-team trades, even four-team trades. He wants to track down a power forward. He is trying. T-minus at this point, what? About 14 hours to go, but it takes two to tango. Like with Aaron Gordon, Denver can probably make a better offer. Boston can probably make a better offer. Yeah, John Collins, what's the point in Atlanta trading him? He's an RFA in the summer. They are a playoff team. Like, There's really no incentive unless Atlanta gets blown away by an offer, but I just don't see the Wolves doing that. Like To blow Atlanta away, you'd put Anthony Edwards on the table. The Wolves are not doing that, but it will be interesting the Wolves are certainly trying. All right, let's now transition to my conversation from the other day with Cleveland Cavaliers head coach J.B. Bickerstaff. We talked the hiring of his good friend, Ben Johnson, as the new Gophers men's basketball coach. J.B., as we sit here and talk on Tuesday late morning, I suppose, like, you should be pissed. I mean, you guys last night lost, you know, Halliburton, hell of a player, by the way. Halliburton has a good game, but... I think you're on cloud nine, right? Like your guy, Ben Johnson, named Gophers coach, you bleed maroon and gold. Like you can put last night's loss aside because you're so happy for Ben Johnson.
3: Uh, There's no doubt about it. Uh, No better man deserving of that job. Uh, I think the matching is a perfect fit uh, for a long time as we've been watching the program uh, from the outside. You know, I've seen a lot of the in-state talent uh, leaving Minneapolis and Minnesota. Uh, and there's a bunch of talent there, and I think Ben has the connections uh, to get it back to the old days where the U used to win the state. Uh, and I think nowadays, if you win the state, you got an opportunity to have a really good team.
1: So, I mean, is that what you mean when you say he is the perfect fit? Is is it a lot about that 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 he has so many relationships here in town? Heck, way back when he played for Howard Pulley, played at De La High School, two-time captain for the Gophers, assistant coach under Patino that. That he knows every high school gym in the state. He knows every high school coach. He knows every AAU coach. Is that what you're talking about when you say perfect fit? Yeah.
3: And and I think as a person, too, we can't forget that. Uh, You know, he's the type of person that players are going to want to play for. Uh, He's the type of person that, you know, every fan of the university uh, is going to want to root for. You know, he's not about himself, he's about the university, he's about the kids, and he's about that Gopher basketball program. Uh, That's just in his DNA and his makeup. You know, he's always put the kids first, whether it was through being recruiting and being honest with the kids, uh, whether it was trying to help the kids improve, how to help them become, you know, uh, more mature, whatever they're doing after college. Like Ben has always been all about that. So uh, again, from a perfect fit, it's, you know, it's well-rounded. It's not just about the basketball, not just about the recruiting, uh, but it's a combination of, you know having the administration support the fan base support and those connections that you talked about before
1: well on the fan base support on, on influential alumni support like yourself like how much does this hire just galvanize things right that that for whatever reason multiple reasons maybe going back multiple years wasn't just this past year but the patino era it seemed like you know people are all over the place you know like richard Coffey, for one example right richard you know, had his thoughts on, on how things were, were run. But it seems like this hire is going to bring a lot of you guys together.
3: Yeah, I, I no doubt. Uh, I think we have a very powerful alumni group. Uh, having a guy who is a part of that uh, alumni group uh, at the helm is huge. And I know Ben, uh, again, he's got those relationships, but he wants to bring back former players to be a part of the program. Uh, I know a lot of us have been dying uh, to be a part of the program. And, um, you know, it means a lot to us. You know what I mean? Like being a member of the Golden Gopher basketball team means a lot to us. Uh, and we believe maroon and gold. So it'll be great uh, to be a part of it. It'll be great to support Ben. Uh, but you're going to see a lot of old faces uh, popping up uh, and around the program more, helping Ben in any way uh, necessary so he can be successful.
1: Yeah, I mean, expound on that. Like, just about anything and, and everything that, that you can do within the rules, obviously. I mean, you and others will, will do whatever you can to help him.
3: Yeah, no doubt about it. Whatever's on the table. Again, like you said, within the rules uh, we're willing to do whatever it takes. Um, you know, again, I, we've been dying for this for a long time, for uh, someone who bleeds as we bleed uh, to be running that program. Uh, someone who wants to include us all in that program. Uh, we've been waiting for it for a long time. And we're looking forward to it. You know, Ben's the guy uh, who can bring us all together. Um, So again, whatever we need to do, whatever we have to do to make sure that he's successful and the Gopher program is successful, we will do.
1: I've got one idea. He could use an associate head coach, maybe somebody who's done it before. I mean, I know you've got a great gig there in Cleveland. (laughs) It's a great
3: contract. Like, but what about Jamie Bickerstaff as associate head coach? Maybe someday, maybe someday. <laughs> we're going to ride this head coaching thing out for a little bit. Uh, and then maybe one day uh, in about 10, 15 years, when Ben and I are both real old, he can bring me on board. <laughs> what kind of coach JB will
1: will Ben be when it comes to the X's and O's? Like on the court, you know, do you have a sense of, of you know, where he stands, you know, from an offensive standpoint, a defensive standpoint?
3: Uh, I mean, I'll let Ben define that. You know what I mean? Obviously he and I have had – a lot of conversations over the years about basketball. Uh, and he is a very intelligent X's and O basketball coach. Uh, he understands how to make adjustments. He understands, one, how to suit his personnel and make his personnel successful as well. But, you know, I think defining that is up to Ben. Uh, he's got to look at what he has on the table in front of him and then make those decisions. But, uh, you know, what I know about Ben is he is tough. He is hard-nosed. Uh, You know, he's got a little bit of that old school to him. Uh, So I think that's something, you know, that Big Ten basketball needs to bring back. Uh, He can evolve that to the new game, you know, a little bit more up tempo and, you know, athleticism and that type of thing. But, um, you know, I know you're going to get some hard playing, tough nose, um, you know, type of games from the the Gophers.
1: Does he have some new school, too, though? I mean, like, does he embrace analytics? Like I think about Nate Oates, the, the head coach at Alabama. You look at how they play right? I mean, they don't take a lot of those mid-range jump shots. I mean, shot selection is a big deal with BAM, and just a lot of things Nate Oates does at Alabama are very forward-thinking. Do you think he embraces new school, too?
3: Oh, definitely. He's definitely forward-thinking. You know, I think when you mix, you know, the new age basketball with that hard nose and toughness, uh, you give yourself a chance to compete, and I think Ben is that combination. You know, again, uh, he's young enough where he's not stuck or set in some ways, But he's old enough to remember the times uh, of that toughness, you know, from the Big Ten. So I think he brings the combination of you know old school toughness and forward thinking uh, mentality, uh, and he'll blend it well with this group.
1: How challenging is it, JB, to to move one seat over, quote unquote, when when he's never been a head coach before? He clearly has earned this opportunity, but he's never been a head coach.
3: It's it's difficult. Uh, What I think with Ben. Uh, is he's prepared himself for a long time for this moment. Um, You know, you never really know what the seat is like until you sit in it. Having been an assistant coach and then myself moved over, uh, there's things that, you know, you just have to face every single day that are new for you. Uh, And I think Ben's going to go through that. But what I'm confident in is, like, Ben will hire uh, a really good staff and he won't go it alone. And that's the most important thing is, you know, you can't assume all the responsibilities. Um, you know Ben has a plan in place. He's got an idea of you know what he wants to program to look like, uh, the environment that he's trying to create, and then he's got to get people on board, which I know he will, uh, which can help execute that. Uh, I think that's you know the most important thing is uh, you can't go into these things doing it alone. Uh, you you got to have help, you got to have quality support uh, there for you, and I know he'll get that as well.
1: Yeah, and I mean he'll get it immediately, JB. I mean, I look at the transfer portal, I mean, the transfer portal is out of control, but Ben is going to have a chance to dominate the transfer portal, including with some Minnesota kids. But there's also a really good player that that entered the portal from Xavier that Ben has a relationship with. Then I think about the unbelievable 2022 high school class here in Minnesota. There are nine players in the state that hold Gophers offers. I can make a case, JB, that one or two more should have a Gophers offer. There's a really good player in North Dakota. So within four hours of the Twin Cities, There are 12 legitimate Big Ten players in that 2022 high school class. The beauty is Ben was recruiting a lot of these kids when he was at Xavier, so he's got those relationships. So, like, I think short-term, Ben is going to be able to remake this roster and bring in talent just like that.
3: Yeah, and and that's the thing with college, right, is you have to get the talent. Uh, You have to be able to recruit. you got to have those relationships. Uh, And I think of, you know, obviously the old days, uh, being at the U, but, like, what, you know, Coach Haskins did is he won the state of Minnesota. Uh, the best talent inside the state of Minnesota uh, was coming to the U, and that's where he wanted to go. You know, it was – I have conversations with those guys, you know, the Joel Prisbillas of the, you know, of the world. And growing up, they would go to Coach Haskins' camps, and they wanted to go to the U. Uh, and I think Ben has an opportunity to reestablish that, uh, which will be huge for the program.
1: I remember the Coach Haskins' camps. They had the shorts, the, the play hard on – On the butt. You're right. Like it was over at the university of St. Thomas. I remember competing against somebody, you know, Jared Nunes. I remember competing against him and some other, and some other kids in the, in the early to mid nineties. You're right. Like it was all about Minnesota. So why, why did it change? Do you have any theories on, on why it it changed?
3: Uh, You know, I'm not sure. Obviously, you know, different coaches uh, come in and you know, they're from different regions of the country and you know, they recruit the regions that they're comfortable recruiting Uh, You know, and again, I I have a lot of respect for the coaches that have been uh, at the U since Coach Haskins, obviously playing for Coach Munson, uh, knowing Tubby Smith extremely well. Like, I have a lot of respect for those guys, and they did what they had to do uh, in order to build the program. They thought they could make it the most successful. But, you know, again, I think Ben's ties uh, to Minneapolis and Minnesota as a whole uh, will give us an opportunity to bring that field back um, to the U and, you know, again, it's it's the Division One program in the state. You know, we we shouldn't be competing with the Wisconsins of the world or the Iowas of the world. Uh, we should be able to go get those done. And, again, I think Ben uh, has the relationships to get that done.
1: Have you had a chance to catch up with him? I'm sure it's been a whirlwind of a, of a 24-hour period. But if you did, like, who was more excited, him or you?
3: Uh, <laughs> it's funny. Like, you know, I couldn't have been more excited, Um You know, I think he was controlling his emotions because he knew he had a job to get done. uh, And I was letting my emotions out. So he was preparing for what he had to prepare for. uh, And I was I was extremely giddy that he got the gig. And, you know, I couldn't again, I I haven't stopped smiling and talking to, you know, all the people that we know. Like, I mean, there's a lot of love right now and a lot of excitement uh, for Ben in particular, uh, but also for the university and the men's basketball program. Knowing
1: Ben as well as you know him, what about him will surprise us?
3: Uh, You know, I think his poise, um, you know, his personality, like, you know, he doesn't ride that roller coaster of wins and losses. Uh, He stays, you know, really even keeled. Uh, And I think that means a lot and bodes well, you know, for difficult situations that you're always going to find yourself in at some point in time. Uh, He's somebody, because of his uh, personality, you trust and you can always depend on him. Uh, and I think that's, you know, that's the most important thing from a head coaching position is when those guys on the floor or the fans in the stands look over there to see how he's doing, uh, they'll be relieved and be calmed by his presence no matter what.
1: Thank you. Get back to the grind of of your regular job. Heck, trade deadline Thursday.
3: Just oh, nice. Let's take a look at that. We're back. <laughs> We're and back. Not even back. I mean, you've you've
1: worn that for a long time, right? It just... Oh. It it bursts with more pride right now as you do that, right? Is that a this good way of saying
3: very it? Old. This t-shirt is very old.
1: <laughs> I talked to I'm Coach Munson, by the way, yesterday. He was oh, on cloud nine. He was he was excited, although I forgot. So I said, like, Dan, you've got this really cool coaching tree, right? Like, I think about you and Ryan and even Nico Medved and, and now Ben. And he's like, you're forgetting about Mark Few. I'm like, Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I was talking more of the Minnesota coaching tree, but yeah, I'm like, Dan, I'm sorry. I forgot about, I forgot (laughs) about he was about to probably win a national championship. He's
3: done an okay job at Gonzaga, I guess. Right.
1: Yeah. I would say he's, he's done a pretty good job. JB. Good to see you. Thank you. And I'll stay in touch. Okay. Definitely. Thank you. Okay. JB is among many fired up about the hiring of Ben Johnson. So Ben has been busy reaching out to a number of players in the transfer portal. Grace Thompson of Indiana, Jameson Battle of George Washington, Ish El-Amin of Ball State, and Parker Fox of Northern State, one of the best, if not the best, player in Division II. He went to Matamidai High School. I caught up with Parker. I actually caught up with him on Monday for a while. Then the Ben Johnson news broke after we talked, so I caught up again earlier today just for his thoughts on Ben Johnson reaching out to him as Minnesota coach. So Ben reached out to Parker like a week ago, or maybe it was – actually, Parker put his name in the transfer portal like Friday. So Ben actually reached out like just a few days ago representing Xavier. But now Ben reached out to Parker last night as the Minnesota coach. I wanted to catch up with Parker. Ben has also reached out to a number of 2022 kids here in the state. He's reached out to Chet Holmgren. He has made a number of calls. No so far in the Matson brothers. They are transferring. They're from Rochester. They are leaving the University of Cincinnati. Maybe that changes eventually, but nothing so far. On the Matson brothers, I've been asked about those guys. Also, nothing so far on all the guys in the portal from Xavier. There's four guys from Xavier in the portal at least so far. It's fluid because Ben is such a grinder. So Ben is reaching out to so many players, but so far nothing in terms of of those Musketeers players. All right, but here is my brief conversation from earlier today. Parker Fox talking about his connection, his conversation last night with Ben Johnson. Parker. So yesterday we talked, you said there's been, I don't know, over 100 schools, multiple levels that have reached out. So it might be hard to keep track of literally all 100, but I suppose when, when Ben Johnson, when the new Gophers coach, the home state Gophers, when Ben Johnson reaches out, that one is an easy one to remember.
0: Yeah, for sure. No, I was really excited. Um, It was funny. He contacted me at Xavier. Um, So I put his his number in my phone with the, with the Xavier contact. um, And then I saw it pop up and I, I had to change the, the contact on my phone, but um, no, I was, uh, I was really excited for Ben. Um, I think, you know, a lot of people are really excited for Ben and, and look forward to uh, him doing a really good job. So yeah, I was definitely really excited when I see his name pop up on my phone and I was able to connect with him again um, now as the, the Gophers head coach.
1: So what did he tell you, Parker? Did he make you an official offer? Did he say, Hey Parker, I want you to be a part of my team next season?
0: Yeah, no, he hasn't uh, officially done that yet. Um, you know, he, he was honest with me and explained that he has some things to go over with their roster, you know, just in terms of um, returning guys and, and guys they're bringing in. And and he wants to be real with me um, in terms of their roster position. Um, but he said he going to get that figured out. And then hopefully when that time uh, comes around, I'm able to hop on a Zoom call with, um, with him and his staff this weekend.
1: Of course, I've got the psycho dog in the background seeing a walker outside. Scooby! Scooby! Shh! the perils of working at home Parker you can't you can't make it up so are you in a position where where you'll be patient where you'll wait this thing out that that the appeal of of playing for the home state Gophers, is that strong where where you'll wait this thing out to see if they do eventually make an offer
0: yeah for sure i think at the end of the day um you know it's going to be a process for me where i'm taking all all my things into consideration and I'm, I'm, you know i'm looking at every school um i think i'm doing myself a disservice if i don't um you know fully scan out what I got to do talk to my parents talk to my talk to my family about what's the best option for me um, at the end of the day whatever that may be wherever that may be um, but I mean at the end of the day I'm, I'm very grateful I'm very excited um, that the Gophers have expressed interest in me um, you know growing up it being my hometown um, but I do have to make the best decision for me whatever that decision may be.
1: Does it mean that much more that, that it is Ben that, that Ben grew up in Minneapolis went to De La Salle High School played for the Gophers was a captain for the Gophers, has been here as a coach working under Patino. Does it mean that much more?
0: Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, I think it's really cool. Uh, obviously, they did a ph- phenomenal job um, in their process of their hiring process, and, and Ben's going to do an awesome job um, with the with the Gophers, with the University of Minnesota. So it does, it does um, excite me, and, you know, I have, I have a lot of people reaching out to me, showing love and, and expressing interest, and, in, um, you know, through – through him, through Ben, so you know I've been able to talk to some people that know Ben better than I do. Um, so yeah, I'm excited, but I know I know um, Coach Johnson's going to do an awesome job there, um, regardless of what what I decide.
1: From Matamidi High School, Parker Fox. So he said he'll zoom with Ben here in the coming days. Jamison Battle will have a zoom with Ben Johnson on Thursday. I'm telling you, Ben Johnson is rocking and rolling. Short term, he is about to make over the Gophers roster, and I am convinced he will be able to hit on a couple or maybe even three or four of these 2022 high school kids here in Minnesota. Plus, there's a really good big man from North Dakota. He's been on the podcast before. So Ben Johnson is... Hitting the ground running. All right, we will wrap up this podcast. I can save my Gable Steveson conversation for the next podcast. I also caught up with Brian Lawton, NHL Network, the other day just to talk wild, preview the trade deadline in the NHL. But I think I can hold that. I don't want to be here until 1 a.m. or midnight or anything like that. So I will put a wrap on this one right now. We'll put it to bed. We'll get it posted here late tonight and you can enjoy it before Thursday's 2 p.m. NBA trade deadline. Appreciate you listening. This has been Scoop Podcast episode 341. On this Wednesday night, the 24th of March, the year is 2021. Stay safe. Stay sane.